Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. You are listening to WGN Radio, as you've heard 8,000 times today. Uh, I want to start this segment off by saying uh, we always talk about tech companies and investing in companies, and obviously we've got FitPeak calling in on the back half of the show, and you can invest in them via MicroVentures. Go there, uh, register there, microventures.com. Uh, you can check out all of our social pages at Technori, at Katoon on like everything. You can download the podcast on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever you get your stuff. Uh, lots of cool stuff. We, we share all kinds of things that are tech, obviously, and startups and obviously predominantly equity crowdfunding, but there's a lot of stuff in the markets. And um, recently I have taken an obsession, which my wife Jen is, uh, I think she's about had it with me on this, uh, on the apps that you can invest in. We're, we're trying to save money to got a kid coming, going to want to buy a house, all this jazz. And um, I haven't had that much money as an entrepreneur my whole life. So I've always just sort of like gotten by. And now that I've got a little money coming in, I'm trying to like quickly make up for lost time and investing everywhere to try to beat the market, if that makes any sense. And probably a very stupid and crazy decision. But I would love for you to call in if you've got questions about investing, particularly about tech uh, investments and where to do it. The number is 312-981-7200. I will do my best to answer everything that you can ask me. Uh, but I will warn you that this is, uh, you can't sue me. This is not, uh, financial advice by a financial certified financial for financial person, whatever you call it. Uh, it's like the lawyer spew. I don't, I don't have it down. Um, but I have opinions, a lot of them, and I, I'm happy to share them with you. Uh, so I want to kick over Ashley. Are you, you're young and maybe not into the investing thing yet, but like, are you aware of like all the investing apps that exist, like Robinhood and things like that? I know they exist. I don't know like specific ones, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Investing to me just scares me because like you said, like you didn't have a lot of money and now that you finally have income coming in or more income coming yeah. in, you want to invest in more places and I'm a college student. So for me to be like, I'm going to put my money somewhere and it may make money, it may not, is very terrifying to me. Yeah. But I know that that is a common thing with people, even if they do have some money that they can put somewhere to see if it'll grow or see if you can play the game and see where money goes. It's kind of like a... It's gambling to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, like, so what honestly got, what got me into investing in startups and got me into investing, and this is probably a really stupid decision, but got me investing into like equity crowdfunding and things is what, now I was in grad school. I wasn't in in undergrad, but when I was in grad school, I took the last, it was like 8,000 or $9,000 that I had left from the loans, which I'll probably never pay back. Um, and I invested in myself. I invested in starting a company. And so, yeah, it's taken, you know, five plus years to get to where it's coming out again. But that to me was a great investment. And it showed me that you can make massive returns if you pick the winners, right? Which is of course a big if, but like, that's what turned me on to it. And now that I actually have some income that I can, I guess you'd call it disposable, but mostly just that I can play with. I, I started to look into like more tools and, and just to give people a rundown that's listening, Robinhood essentially is a no fees way for you to invest in stocks, just picking stocks day to day. It's not really day trading. In fact, they've got like things in there to make sure that you're not a day trader. Um, but it's pretty quick. I can buy some stocks today, sell them tomorrow, which is essentially day trading, but like it's a little different. I like it because I can hear news like in the middle of the night that Tesla is going to cut 3000 or whatever, 7,000 employees, whatever it ended up being, it was 7% of their, their whole staff. And it was pretty clear to me that they're gonna that their stock is gonna plummet. And I had, had tried to put in a short call on it, uh, figuring that their stock would go from like three hundred twenty six dollars or whatever it was it opened to like somewhere around three hundred five. It's like well under three hundred. So I would have made uh, if I put five thousand in on that, I probably could have made upwards of th- like ten grand, which was amazing in the stock market. 
But then there's other things that you can also use. Like one locally in Chicago, M1 Financial, is an app that you can pick and build like little funds and you can mirror big, powerful people like Carl Icahn and, and Byron Trot, another Chicago guy, um, and follow their funds and you can, like their hedge funds and things, and you can, you can invest sort of mirroring them. Uh, and you get to see the percentages and stuff. And, and the idea with M1 is that you're not chasing dollars. You're not looking at dollar bills or percentages, which I think makes people's heads explode, especially if they're not in the game. Uh, but rather just watch the trends and, and compare one sector of the market to another. Like, here's how I'm performing. So if I think that the tech market is going to go down, I might want to put it in real estate or something like that. And you can't buy in to like a big real estate, like a Vanguard on your own with 50 bucks. But if you go through the app, you can because they use the economies of scale. And so I can have Robin Hood with my daily app stuff with like just daily stocks. I can go to M1 and I can throw money in there and pick like larger funds that I'm a tiny, tiny, tiny part of. And that's sort of like my hedge. Like I built a recession uh, fund in that. And I picked all the stocks that I thought would go up based on if we do go into recession, I put a tiny amount of money in it. But like, once things start to go, I'll throw all my other money into that and hope that I'll I'll still play well in the market, even though everyone else is going down down the hill. Um, and then there's stuff that gets tricky. This is like Acorns, which I have an account with, Acorns app, which rounds up the, to the nearest dollar on all my credit card spending and throws it into another fund. And that you have like no managerial control over. You just pick like risk, high, low, moderate. And I've got like a little mini thing going there. It's savings that I probably wouldn't have noticed anyway. I would have spent it on candy or McDonald's or Portillo's or something. Um, and then for the nuts out there, there's crypto. And crypto is insane. And people who invest in it, I think, are insane. Um, but what it does bring to the table that's really interesting, and, and apps you can use like Coinbase as an example. And you can do Bitcoin on Robinhood, but it's pretty limited. And then there's more sophisticated tools like Binance, Binance.com, where you can actually go and trade all of the tokens that are out there in the world and you use like Bitcoin or something as your as your base, you know, mon, you know, your base money's going in and then you just sort of move it around. But it's super volatile. So like literally I've seen an entire one billion with a B fund disappear in minutes. Like think about it. like that's a real story. Like it it happened where this big group had bet really big on um it wasn't it was a combination of things, but Ripple was like the main one. And they thought that it was going to go from like 10 cents to like a buck and a half or four bucks or whatever. And they put a billion dollars in it. And if it happened, they would have gone up to like eight billion. It would have been crazy. Uh, but it didn't happen. It sunk and they literally had their money was gone. A billion dollars of just gone. You can't even imagine what a billion dollars looks like, let alone <laughs> what, it lo- what it feels like going away. Going away yeah. I, I'm like, how many lawsuits took place after that? Like, I, I don't even want to imagine. But it does, like, if you're nuts and you've got no, like, no understanding of risk the volatility of it is pretty cool the trends are nearly unpredictable but the nice part about it is you can actually um invest a hundred or two hundred or five hundred thousand ten thousand twenty five thousand and sit there in front of it and just pull and pull and play and pull and play you're way into like 10 20 grand in, in profit i mean you lose it all too but like in profits and so i just think it's like an interesting um dynamic that we've never had before in this world we've never had the ability to to do something like that so um you know i I guess one of the reasons i wanted to show and and offer people the ability to call in is i don't think we've ever been in a place where your raymond james account or whatever it is you you have could actually be beat by algorithms and that you yourself even if you're a novice could still 
somewhat smartly invest and make money. And, and most of the apps, I, I'm just telling you, you can lose everything. But then again, you can lose everything anyway. I think it's kind of cool to be able to have an app and set these like limits that won't let you make big trades and they won't let you make you know crazy decisions with huge swings because that's not part of your you know the profile you built. And then the algorithm basically says like you're willing, we'll let you invest upwards of ten thousand because that's the amount of money you've said that you can lose, and we won't let you do any more than that. And you can pay like nine ninety nine a month for leverage and get access to a couple more grand to throw on top of these deals. But in general, I just think it's fascinating. Uh, how many different ways we now can control our money without losing half of the profits to somebody um, who's taking fees or in a lot of cases, like speaking of the recession, and this is where, please, if you're listening, if there's anyone out there that can hear me, I would love to have you call in after this commercial break to talk about this because if we're looking at the recession coming on and, and for all intents and purposes, because of equity crowdfunding and a whole long next other show to talk about this, I actually think that the VC money is going to dry up a little bit, and then that's actually going to be good for me because it's going to drive founders to me and to equity crowdfunding into alternative routes. But for you out there that's a normal investor, I just don't trust the big, uh, you know, the mutual fund, Northwestern mutual funds of the world because that trade, that person who's representing your money, it's in his best interest when things are good to represent you because he can make more or she can make more money. But when the S hits the fan, all of a sudden, what do you got? They're looking out for themselves. They're trying to make sure that collectively that they don't lose their shirt. And and I that's where I think like you're you're not represented. And that's a place where like for me personally, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in an account, so I'm not it's not like a life savings. I would rather take my five, six, seven, ten, twenty thousand dollars and control where it's going. I can see the market rolling down and be like, you know what, I don't know what to do, but I know I don't want it to go down, so I'm gonna take it all out. And leave it in the account waiting. It's not bearing interest or anything. It's it's a loss, but it's not a loss loss. And and that to me is the most fascinating thing. And I think there's a lot of people out there that just don't realize that there are accounts and there are apps like Robinhood and M1 and Coinbase and there's a million things um, that you can put your money in and then invest and then just take it out. Like I can just withdraw it right there. Like it's not, I don't have to call anybody. I don't have to sign any paperwork. They have all the forms for your taxes and stuff if you're one of those weirdos who pays taxes. And, you know, you can just literally just protect yourself and if you're really smart you can actually beat the market and make money and and to me i think i'm dumb but i think i'm I'm, i might be able to outperform uh some of these people if you ever hang out by the ubs building in chicago you know what i'm talking about some of these people i don't know how the heck they got money or like how people gave them their money it's just it's like jordan belford all over the world anyway we're gonna take a break we'll come back if you call in um I'll send you a cookie, and we'll talk about this kind of stuff. And then the back half, we're going to invest in some startups with Fitbit calling in. So you're listening to WGN Radio, AM 720. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Uh, so, Ashley, you, so I went through this whole little bit about all this stuff. Where, where are the parts for you personally? Like you said, you've got, you don't maybe, like I think the younger people, the problem is that they don't have money to spend. So like to even get by, let alone to invest in stuff. But like, what if I could tell you ways that you could actually make more money quickly? Like, how, is is it just is it risk? Like, what's the issue for you that that like keeps you off the apps? Other than you know the obvious. My thing would probably be the risk because there are options where if you did a safe option to invest in, where you in a way you can tell that they'll make money because there are those type of options where you're like, yeah, I'll definitely make some sort of. But those return. are long terms. So like that's the thing is like this is the problem for you. Like and and maybe a lot of people like you. 
you're young, so you're supposed to be the riskiest because you can take the most, you know, the most risk. You can lose. You have more time to make it back. The problem is if you're if you're trying to take money for the long haul. Um, I mean, honestly, that's why I like Acorns because like you literally just round up your money and it goes in. You don't even see it. You, like it'd be ten dollars a day or a week or a month or whatever. And it goes into these like really long-standing things. In fact, if you pull up the app, it'll show you. Like a lot of people have seen this before, obviously. But you can put how much money you have now, and if ten years ago you'd put it in, you'd you'd be at like whatever seven hundred thousand dollars. You could absolutely leave those in there, and and make a lot of money. But that's going to be way long ago to 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 like you can take it out. Is that kind of like a trust fund type of deal? No, a trust fund is what happens when your parents are really wealthy and then they <laughs> die and they leave you a bunch of money and you spend it on a Ferrari. That's a trust fund. All right. That's Th- not what This I is am. more of like <laughs> this is more like an IRA or 401k or something like retirement fund. Okay. Uh, you like I have zero control over that like the Acorn one. Like and in a lot of it. it's the same thing with like if I went to Chase or I went wherever and I was like give me a savings account, that's just your money sitting there and it's interest. But then if you said, I want to take this money and put it into a Roth or something, they're going to lock it away and you're not going to be able to get it out unless you take, you pay fees, pay taxes. Well, taxes is different because of the Roth, but like you basically don't have the ability to, to control it and you don't make any decisions other than telling the person who's repping your money, like what your tolerance for risk is, what you're interested in things like that. Cause for some weird reason, People like to invest in things. This is like picking your home sports team. Don't do that. Don't ever gamble on a home team. You you do not want to mix money and emotions. It's no good. And so I always am laughing when like the couple times I've I've been to a bank and I've actually had my money with normal people. They always go like, "What kind of stocks are you interested in?" I'm like, "The kind that makes money." I don't like I don't <laughs> care really. So like that, you don't have control. On the apps and things, you can at least take the money out. So like in Acorns, you can have it sitting in their things and then be like, I need it for whatever, and you have to pay taxes on gains, but otherwise you you can just take the money out. There's no penalties. Okay. There's no fees. On the stuff that's more of like Robinhood, this is literally buying stocks, just buying them, buying them at will, and then selling them and buying them. Like you're the one making all the decisions, which maybe that's the fear fact is you don't know enough about business or stocks that you feel comfortable making bets yeah that's very true and i think for a lot of younger people like you said you invested in yourself you took that was like your biggest investment before you started actually making more money out of investing and i think for younger people a lot of us are like well we can invest in ourselves so instead of investing other places we start saving up for our own projects or our own like for college like you invest in yourself when you pay for college in a way you're investing in your education but it's just like for me, my biggest investment that I would do probably first by put like a large chunk of money down would be investing in myself. My friend and I, we started a podcast, so it would be in doing something along those lines. Yeah. Which like, which I think you, in that regard, it's not that dissimilar from having control by picking companies. I mean, you're, you have control to make the show cool. You have the, show, the control to market it. You have like, you have, it's up to you to fail or succeed. So in that regard, it's very similar. I think... I guess where I think this is going to be a really big um, leap forward or backwards, I guess, um, is with the younger demographic. I ju- so I actually, speaking of M1, I just talked to their CMO and I said, what's your biggest thing? And he's like, I'm tar- targeting, you know, 29 to 37. And I was, I laughed and I was like, the funny part about it is, um, you know, you don't target older people because they're like, it's, you're not going to get them to change behaviors. Um, but they still want their money. There's like a trillion dollars saved with people who are like 60 and up. And, 
I just said to him point blank, like those people are going to pass away at some point and that money's going to get dropped down to their, their kids and their kids are going to be the ones who are more comfortable investing in apps and things than they are investing in people because this younger gen- generation or demographic really doesn't like giving their money and power away to someone they don't know or don't trust. They really enjoy actually like controlling it and, and sometimes to the detriment. But I, I think like with Ashley and others, I, I just think that the biggest barrier is going to be me saying to you, trust me, give me all your monies and I'm going to do right with it. And I just don't see the younger group doing that. I think that the majority of, of younger people are not dissimilar from me and that they feel like, I don't know what, like, unless you're just totally disinterested in money, which is totally possible. But I just can't imagine, like, they don't, they don't give up control for anything. They want to cook their own food. They want to, like, make their own clothing. They, like, they want to do everything on their own. They don't ever really want to uh, create a relationship with someone who has to control them and tell them what to spend on and where to go and what to do. And I think there's also this kind of funny thing that's going on, and less so the generation that I'm working with now, which is like 25 to 29, they're pretty good about saying like, you know, do right by me and handing stuff over. It's the next one. It's, it's actually Ashley's age. It's those in college right now are like the, we talked about this on the last show. They're the do it yourselfers. They're the ones who they don't sit back and wait. They just Google search. They don't sit back and just like wonder well, how this happened. They would ask a, a financial person who would say, well, in my 15 years of experience, this is how things went. And they're going to go, okay, cool. That's great. You know, congratulations. And then they're going to like, I'll circle back with you. And then they leave. And then they Google search every single thing that that financial advisor said. And they come to the realization that I came to, which was all that information is already out there. And sometimes you have to pay for it. And sometimes you don't. But like Morningstar, Bloomberg, a $29 subscription to Bloomberg every year and or Wall Street Journal for that matter, every year, and you literally can look at every single chart and thing and piece of information and news. And I and here's the other part. Like when you're investing in stocks, yes, there are like old, like super big companies that don't really move much. They're they're not volatile. JP Morgan is an example, like well, post twenty oh eight, uh an example, although Jamie Dime did an incredible job of keeping and building Chase into what it is. It's not volatile. It's gonna go from from like you know, 98 to 112 or $17. And that's kind of how it's going to be for the most part though. All of the other companies that exist out there, news is going to dictate that like news dictates like what's going to happen on a daily basis. And it might only be a seven to 10 or 20 points. Well, 20 is huge seven two five ten 10% swing, but the amount of money you can make on a 10% swing is insane. So anyway, that's my rant on that. Um, I guess from here, we're going to take a commercial. We're going to go to the news, uh, which is sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. It is 1.30, and here's Bob Kessler. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. We are about to kick off the official Startup, startup Showcase portion of the show. Uh, we've got Dylan Luxier as the co-founder and CEO of FitPeak. Uh, Dylan, are you there? Hey, Dylan, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, make sure you turn the radio down in the background just so we don't have feedback. Yeah. That's the first time I've been able to say that. I hear Dan Patrick say it in a show all the time, and I got to finally say it myself. Okay, Dylan, welcome to the show. Um, I'm sure we told you uh, that you're going to have one minute to pitch Fit Peak, and then I'm going to ask you questions, and we're going to conversate around the topic of uh, the business you started and where you're at now. So I will give you uh, one minute starting right meow. Okay, I want to learn or improve on a specific activity. Where do I find the pro? 
There's Uber for anyone with a car, Airbnb for anyone with a house, and FitPeak for anyone that has an activity-based skill set. FitPeak is a marketplace and business management platform for activity-based service professionals. With FitPeak, consumers can easily browse and book a variety of pros, from personal trainers to yoga instructors to golf coaches. Plus, our back-end dashboard gives pros the ability to easily manage their clients, their schedule, and automate payment processing. From a monetization side, we charge a nominal SaaS fee of $12 to pros and then take a $2 service transaction on every session booked through our platform from the client. Our goal is to make the world more active while increasing the economic freedom of the active entrepreneurs that make up the market. Well done. Perfect. Boom. Um, so I want to talk to you a couple things. So like, tell me a little bit about you. I, I noticed one thing here and I'm going to pull up. I'm just bear with me as I'm pulling up your actual um, uh, page on microventures.com, which people can go to microventures. Or it's app, sorry, this is a long one. App.microventures.com slash crowdfunding slash fitpeak. You can go there or just go to microventures, find crowdfunding and just you'll find your way. Um, but I'm, I'm hitting up your page right now. And I think it's interesting that you continually on throughout your not just your page there, but also your your website. Um, a marketplace where clients can search and book active professionals. The key word being active professionals. Explain to me, one, what that means, and two, like why you've selected active professionals versus like trainers or people. Like, Explain that to me. Yeah, well, really, we looked at it as any like activity-based service professional. So that's kind of the definition of an active pro. So this, this can be opened up to instructors, coaches, uh, obviously trainers and whatnot being the largest demographic. But really what this is is whatever my sport is or whatever I'm coaching or instructing, it's all pretty much the same, uh, you know, scheduling-based CRM experience. And so we saw that as kind of creating one cohesive platform where all of these pros can kind of come. And really we want to, you know, create that uh not just niche it towards that personal trainer feel and that vibe where now we can have, oh, I want to, you know, I need to improve my golf swing or I want to get better at surfing. Where do I find these variety of pros? And plus it opens up the, the market dramatically for us. Uh, great answer. And I, I just want to say, like, so it's this, I like this. Um, and the interesting thing is, and this is just coming from like the investor standpoint, I'm looking at this or not even that really just founder business operator. I'm looking at this and I'm going, mm-hmm. you run the risk by doing that, you run the risk of people not finding you or not understanding active pro, and you have to kind of coin, coin a, a slang term or whatever you want to call it. And so there's a little bit of heavy lifting on your part to market it. And that's similar to us when mm-hmm. we first started talking about equity crowdfunding. People were like, what in the heck is that? Like, I don't, is it Kickstarter? And I was like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. But what it did for me was if you have the right marketing strategy, I don't own the market, but like I have a very significant presence in it because I was one of the first ones on it. And so you, while you do have a little bit more work to do with it, you do have a, a massive advantage in that you've coined a term. That's the first part. So, like, you know, it, it, to be determined, I guess, on the success. But I think in a, in a crowded marketplace, if you can do something to differentiate, differentiate early, I think that that's a big win. The other part is I want to talk about with you is the what I think is really unique about what you're doing. And you talked about it very clearly. You did a great job of the active pro being it's not a trainer. It's a, it gets a coach, but those names, those terms are ubiquitous. People are looking for right. trainers and coaches. They go one place, but what about someone who's going to meet with you at a, you know, the indoor rock climbing or the indoor skydiving or, or anything. And, you know, just sewing like right. that's not active, right. but like or you your, could local, your local park tennis court or something along those lines. Yeah, They, they will know? build a find them. So you're, you're a hundred percent spot on that. You can create a marketplace. That's 
far wider. I mean, and this is going to sound like a dumb analogy, but there's there's very much um, a let it go. Are you familiar with that? The app? Yeah. It's a yeah. Le- it's got a let it go feel. Let it go is not specific. It's not like it's not like Craigslist where there's 42 different SKUs of things to click and find. It's like no, here's the gist. Do you want to let go of whatever you have? Yes, search and right. sell. And for you it's like do you right. want training or support for your activity? Yes, find right. our active professionals. And and the, and the other thing that we've kind of seen too just to kind of cav- just to kind of uh, caveat on top of that is we have found that, you know, there's a big uprising and a surge of these independent locations that are kind of popping up all over the place that are facilitating these pros and saying, hey, we want you to pay us monthly and you're going to help offset our overhead. And these pros are willing to do it. All, all of them that we've spoken to are, are willing to jump ship because these corporate locations have gotten very, very comfortable with taking 70, 80% splits on the revenue and these guys get anyone that's long term in the business wants to build their business independently and and be an entrepreneur and grow it. And so we thought is, hey, let's put a tool in these guys' hands and girls' hands where they can take ownership of this business and run it independently and really build the business that they want to build and not have to say, oh, well, yeah, I know that you know insert corporate gym name here is charging you $80. I'm only seeing 15 of that, or I'm only yep. seeing 20 of that. It's, it's funny so you, that's you where, say that. That's where we saw. To, to prove, yeah. to, to for kind of prove your model even more, I mean, not that my opinion really matters here, but like several years ago, I had a, a trainer who was trying to get out of that scenario, and we almost built him an app. His name was Max. A uh, little shout-out to Max Ford out there. If you if you're working out in Chicago, you should give Max Ford a call. Um, cool. <clears throat> we built an app called Max. Well, we started building an app called Max Out, and it was obviously tailored to him. But like the idea was, there's a ton of inventory all over the suburbs, all over the city for space that like, yeah, if you go to Equinox or someplace that like has the most people, yeah, you're going to have to pay $40 out of 65 to the gym. But if you find places that are struggling to fill the box and it's near people, you could easily make your own prices and, and just take advantage of the, of the massive inventory. We ended up not doing it only because Mac, you know, Max didn't, he wanted to be a trainer. He didn't want to be a guy who ran an app company, but exactly the point, point that's, that's exactly, you created that. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the point. Let's look at the Zillow model, right? So independent realtor pages or independent listing pages where I build a website for this listing that I'm trying to sell, it's, it's antiquated. It's done because there's one central marketplace where you can drive all of that traffic. So from an economy, an economy of scale standpoint, as we're generating leads and our CAC, we can do that way more effectively than any gym that's that's radius is, is located in a, you know, they have a 10 mile, maybe a five mile radius where they can really pull clients from. But if we don't have those constraints, our lead generation for these guys, because really that's the biggest issue, a huge friction point for these pros is where do I generate the leads? Right now it's, oh, I create a ad on Craigslist, which is pretty sketchy in itself or, <laughs> or all these different things. So we want to be that, that centralized location where they, people can come, they feel comfortable, they feel secure, and they know they're getting quality. And then on the backside, we're really providing the quality from the product for the pros as well. Well, to, to follow on your point, right, so all of these gyms that we're talking about, and we're obviously picking one small subsect of all of the different people who can work, you know, who could make money on this right. platform. <clears throat> it is in your best interest, you as the operator of FitPeak, to pursue this and to grow the platform and to make the experience better for everyone so that more people are on it and more easier for for the trainers to the active professionals to make more money so it, it is your best interest whereas 
the locations in place, this is a secondary or augmented revenue. It's not their primary. Yeah. And even if it were their primary, the people that are working at the gym, the you know the the girl or boy who's like just out of college that they hired to be intern slash marketing person because they have a Snapchat <laughs> account, they have no yeah. idea how to like actually drive traffic. So. The, right. the the active professionals are really at their mercy, and they're at the mercy of the wrong person. So totally get right. it where you're there. I want to follow one more thing here, and I hope you're okay mm-hmm. with poo pooing on a, a slight competitor. Uh, if not, you can just blow, you know like make a whistle sound, and I'll stop. But I I am yeah. not a fan of Mind Body app, and it's it's, <laughs> it's no. It's no offense to Mind Body because when it started, it was something worthwhile. And I know, like, my wife mm-hmm. goes to Orange Theory and she uses their app and all this stuff. And, and they have, like, a thread on Reddit. And it's just very easy. Any gym I go mm-hmm. to that says, hey, you got to schedule your trainer, just go to the Mind Body app and find us. I literally, I'm, I'm going to another gym. Like, it's, I'm, I'm out. Because right. it is the biggest right. pain. And then you find out how Mind Body makes their money and, and how little, like, how inconvenient they make it for the professionals that are using it. It, like, it actually makes you upset. Right. And so seeing, oh, yeah. seeing apps like yours, and there's, there's several others, but not even in your, your spot, like in the spa, uh, spa field, the Lisa app here in Chicago, they've been on the show several times, and they're killing it. And they're killing it because yeah. they've made it just simple. Right. No, and, and to go kind of on top of that, you know, obviously, so I, I used MindBody for six months before I started building this thing because I think it's very important to understand the industry leader and kind of how they operate. And, and we saw that as, you know, a case of big, fat, and happy publicly traded. But then at the same time, we saw it as, uh, okay, there are so many, there are a lot of manual processes in there. I had, to, I had to see a demo. I had to get onboarded that way. And really, if we break it down the way that software and cloud computing and these updates have gotten, it's this, a CRM for running a, a scheduling-based business like that with clients and stuff is not the most complicated thing in the world. No. And so we see it as, you know, as, as consumer intelligence, you know, with tech continues to increase and increase, um, I, saw, I saw it as an opportunity because they had, and it's obviously proven true since we started building this because they were obviously just taken public. Uh, they're no longer, uh, they were just taken private uh, for $1.7 billion. So I, I saw probably close to a billion shave off their off their market cap in six months, you know, and this can't is, imagine why. So, so yeah, no, and, and you're, but that's, you're not the first one to say that we've heard that, that feedback pretty, uh, pretty consistently around, around the board, which, you know, and, and like I said, we, we're not in a mindset and, and I'm not going to be in the mindset as we build this thing where we're going to be looking over our shoulder and saying, Oh, well, what are they doing? What are they doing? We have a really clear vision for how we want to build this thing, how we want to layer this thing, and then the ultimate objective of the, the space that this thing can occupy in the minds of consumers. And so that's kind of where we're really excited because as Web 2.0 is maturing more and more, you see those opportunities less and less. And I'll, I'll wrap up really quick. I know you got a timeline. So there are two other things that really make this business unique that we kind of discovered after the fact as we were working with our beta testers. And number one is through our model. So it's a transaction-based business. So our whole goal is you visit your train. this trainer, he uses FitPeak, you sign up, you put your card on file. That card, it's as easy as like booking an Uber or booking an Airbnb. Your card should be hit continuously. So you say, oh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 9 a.m., I'm going to be training with, you know, this pro. Then 15 minutes before each of those sessions, your card is hit. So it's like no friction point with the payment processing or the payment transaction. 
And then on the other side, we, we saw that the stickiness effect of something like this. So what's unique about this model is let's say we get, you know, Sean Smith, who's a personal trainer down the road. Well, most of these trainers have, you know, already established clients. And so if we can create a very streamlined onboarding process for them to come on board, but also to get their their clients in the ecosystem, we could really create a nice stickiness effect around this. And, and for every pro that we bring in, we could get, you know, three and a half, four additional users, which would be amazing for us, you know. So so that's kind of our, our vision here from the product side. So the cadence of, you know, you being, I'm processing three payments a week from, from you, and, and we're making six bucks a week from one client, to also the factor of, that stickiness and being able to bring those clients. That's why we're very, very excited about this product and what we're building. Very cool. I like it a lot. Uh, I, I just, I like anything that's against the mind body model just because I just, it's just too, co- <laughs> it's just too complicated. It's like for both sides exactly. of the party and, and, it, and it's, you know what you like, you grow to like your trainer. You stay with them for a long time because you like them and you hate to see them lose their money. I'd rather give my money to him. Like I, I didn't want to give my money right. to the big box I, and I know they have to get paid, right. but like not, not right. that way. So <clears throat> With that said, uh, you are 24 days left in your campaign. Like I said before, microventures.com. You can look it up. Fit Peak. Uh, raised about 18000 Still rolling strong. Just uh, kind of just off to the races here. 50-some-odd investors. Um, make your quick pitch, 10 seconds or less, on what why people should invest in you. Uh, we have a clear vision. We know that it's not going to be easy, but we have a great team. I've, I've been fortunate enough to get a great team around me, and we're going to build something that really revolutionizes this industry. Very cool. Well said, Dylan. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Uh, we will be uh, sharing hey. this on our Facebook page. You go to at Technori, and uh, you can find it there. Thank you so much, Dylan. Awesome. I appreciate the time, Scott. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Take care. All right. We're going to take our final break here. We're going to come back with Dane and see what's going on there, and then uh, I'm going to trek back home to Glen Ellen in the snow. It should be great. You're listening to WGN Radio, AM 720. Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, for the final time of this wonderful hour. Um, I want to ask Ashley one more thing. I think she's sleeping. She's given up on my show. Um, so it's it's an interesting thing. We've talked about sort of the the digitization of like the world and like whether it was education last time we're talking about investing, and I know that that upsets some some folks out there. Um, but like I think it can make things easier for you as like I'm just thinking to myself. Like when I was in college, I didn't know what was going on financially. Like I, I would hear things and I was even uh, as a professional in real estate was following the index on real estate, but like I was living my life, right? I was out drinking and doing whatever. And I, I didn't I guess I didn't appreciate or understand how like the world worked financially that well. And if I had had access to apps like this where even if I had a hundred dollars, which one of the reasons I like startup showcase stuff is that like you can invest 50, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 into a startup and learn so much about what it's like to, to build a company just by getting the updates from these people. Do you think that there's an angle for the younger folks out there that I, I just think educationally, as Davis, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, said, didn't get application in his education, um, that you may have a better appreciation for how things work in the world financially or otherwise, or even education, like being digital and having the ability to actually trade and, and do things that it might actually prepare you better for when you come out and you're done with school and the you know the the bubble is taken away uh, i definitely think that having apps like these does make it way easier like when you're younger you don't want to have to talk on the phone with a banker to invest in certain stocks and all that kind of stuff so when you have apps that kind of make it 
like laid out for you where you can read about what you want to read about and not have to hear it through hearsay. You can figure out the information that you want to find just by going to the internet. It makes things a lot easier and faster. And like you were talking about the other week, you were saying that nowadays you think that our generation might be better at getting things done is because we refuse to wait for things. So in a way, I do believe with having all this access to technology and apps and the computer and the internet and everything being so fast, it does benefit us in getting what we want done and how we want it done. Well, let me ask you this. So like just straight up, would you rather lose a hundred dollars or $10,000? A hundred dollars. Okay. So if I told you, you can go ahead and you can invest a hundred dollars on name, whatever app I gave you because there's no barrier and you watched the hundred dollars go to 106, 117, 114, 116, Back and forth, back and forth. Till now, it's like ninety and eighty and seventy and sixty. You like watch the ride, and you're getting mad because your hundreds out. Do you think that when you have ten thousand to invest, you will be better understanding of if someone says, "Oh my God, got bet the farm deal, you should put your money in this." You're going to be like, "No," because I've seen this with a hundred. It doesn't go that way. That you'll be better prepared to manage a ten thousand dollar investment than say someone who has never invested before. For sure, because you watch it with a smaller amount and have less risk rather than doing it with a larger amount and having more risk. And that's that's my point. Still risk. Yeah, but of course. But that's my point. Is risk. like I think that when I had I had I gotten money right out of school, I I thought I could beat the world. So I would have thought like, duh, I can definitely invest all my money. And next thing I know, I'm out of money because I didn't know anything. And that you've seen that in the crypto market. The reason there's a million reasons why everything is falling apart. But like. One of the biggest things that happened is you see these these tech bros that became billionaires and they're taking pictures, well, millionaires, and they're taking pictures with their Ferraris because they, they were stupid and they made a bet and they got lucky. And you see the other ones who are, for by all intents and purposes, smart people who made bets and they didn't. And there was no rhyme or reason. But the, the people that did that, they hopefully if it was a small amount of money, they at least learned what the ride is like. And I think a lot of people come into this and they start investing in things. It doesn't matter what. It's going to be buying a home. And they buy based on want, not need, or not a practice. And so I think letting younger people dabble in all of these different things along the way, even investing in like real estate funds and things, enables you to at least learn what markets look like so that when you actually have real money, you don't blow it away being stupid. And I just think that's a huge, and that's just financial. Like there's other stuff too in education. You can, you can, you can access information in a different way so that when something happens in the real world, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. And there's some sort of point of reference, which I think is the, the big missing piece. That is very true. Cause when you do like, you don't learn everything in college or high school or anything. Cause you have to kind of go out and find things on your own. But when you have things that kind of mimic or I don't know, shadow what you could be doing in later life, it does help. Cause in high school, I did a finance class and we had a fake, like you got a certain amount of money and you yep. did special things on an app. Like, there's, it, apps it was like, an app. there's apps like tr- top sub trader and, and it was just like a practice can... thing. You weren't actually using money. It was just practicing how it would work. If you did put money in a stock, it would go with the actual stock market and how those would raise and fall. So you can cool. still do that. There's, there's Rapunzel and, and there's, um, there's top sub trader apps in Chicago that you can play with. In fact, some of them you can actually make money with like making points, betting fake money, and then you get high enough and they give you rewards. But anyway, I love talking to you because you always tell me I'm right, which is great. No one else says that. <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. Um, so Dane, you are, 
or you're sitting here in front I, of me, you're ready to go? Well, see, I'm always getting educated. So it's one thing to be entertained. Scott, you always do that with Startup Showcase. God, Inspired, right? And then uh, and then also you get a little bit of education to go along with it too, especially when it comes to areas that you, you may not be um, super you know, strong in. And so I was wondering, in this day and age with all the different, and you mentioned earlier in the program, the access to the information. Usually a lot of these advisors and financial advisors, you know, they're kind of gatekeepers. That's what they're yeah. charging you for, their expertise, their experience. And now with the internet and with a lot of these apps, you can kind of tap into what it is that they have spent um, their careers kind of getting to know. Years ago, you heard about, you know, like Scott Trader, Charles Schwab, yep. and then you heard all those kind of sob stories of day traders who blew everything, right? Yeah. Um, it's a cautionary tale that experts, you know, are experts for a reason. Do people, were there any great success stories on like the day trader side that you heard, or even with some of these new apps where you're armed with more than just your own confidence, yeah. right? Of people actually doing okay with this. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's literally, you can go on Twitter and like hashtag crypto and like all kinds of stuff and see all these people who have like been insanely successful at it. And there's a whole new market, but like again, that's a crazy lifestyle. So I don't recommend that for anyone unless you have experience in it. Don't just drop right in. But it is—it's interesting. 